the word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for your hearts. Amen. I uh, read a lot of sermons by a man named King Duncan. I don't know where his church is, but I really enjoy his sermons. And he challenged his readers this week to look at this passage for Father's Day. I would have never picked Mark 4, 26 to 41 for Father's Day. But then when I, I took the challenge and I looked at it, I realized there are three words here for natural fathers, those of us that have children, and for those of us who are spiritual fathers or spiritual parents, because if, if you're doing it right, you're going to actually have more spiritual children than actual children. So there are three lessons here, and we're going to go over the three lessons, and then we're going to uh, examine them a little more closely. Lesson number one is, you can't harvest if you don't plant. I want you to hear that. You cannot enjoy a harvest if you never plant any seeds. The second lesson is this. Only through faithful planting do we find God's blessing. God blesses others through our offspring. So if I grow an apple, to continue with the children's sermon idea, and I give it to you and you grow an apple, and then the seeds are spread, one person could grow thousands, tens of thousands, millions of apples. One Christian doing their job faithfully can find God's blessing and have thousands of spiritual children. Now, here's the problem. We have to trust God and not force the plant to grow our way. I don't know if you saw this. I think it was on NBC this week. They were talking about different foods around the world, and the Japanese grow square watermelons. I, I love that face. When the little baby watermelon shows up on the plant, they put it in a box. And as it grows, it is restricted to that box, and then their watermelons never roll away. But I, I got to say, I found it a little annoying because that's not the way God designed watermelon. And you know what? When you cut it down the middle and you cut it down the middle the other way, you get that nice round part that just fits your face when you're eating watermelon. And I don't know about you. This has nothing to do with the sermon. This is totally a rabbit. I don't like seedless watermelon because there's no seeds for me to spit at my sister. <laughs> Half the fun of being a kid was spitting the seeds at your siblings, right? Totally gone, seedless watermelon. But God does the growing. We do the planting. He does the growing. We do the harvesting. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, Doc, that makes sense. We got seeds in the first parable. We got seeds in the second parable. There are no seeds in the third parable. It's a possible shipwreck. Here's lesson number three. It's okay to fail if you learn from your failure. What did Jesus say? Do you not yet have enough faith? And we're going to talk about that. But those are the three lessons for today that we're going to examine. The first one is this. You can't harvest if you don't plant. Now, do you remember that God looks like George Burns? Only people of a certain age know that, but George Burns played God in three movies, if you remember. And the first one 
God showed up and talked to a uh, grocery store manager, John Denver. And he said, I want you to tell the people. And, and God would show up and talk to John Denver. And of course, John Denver was the only one who could see God. And first, nobody believed him. And then they put him on all the talk shows and it became a big joke. And at the end of the movie, John Denver is feeling a bit like a failure. He has talked to and seen God and nobody would listen. And this is what God says. I want you to hear this. He says, oh, I don't think you're a failure. You never know. A seed here and a seed there, something will catch and grow. We're responsible to plant the seeds. Now, you have had along your way spiritual mentors. Fred Craddock, the, um, the Christian author and retired seminary professor, tells a story of his Sunday school teacher, Emma Sloan. She was an older, elderly woman and single, and she taught the primary department. She taught like first, second, and third grade, the little guys. She taught them for years. Why? Because when they graduated from primary, there was nobody to move up with them, so she moved up with them. And she was their spiritual influence, their teacher, for years. And she used to finish her class using the alphabet, and they go around the room saying verses. A, a soft word turns away wrath. B, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other as God forgives in Christ has forgiven you. C, come unto me, all you are labor and heavy laden. D, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And she worked through the entire alphabet, and each one had a verse. Fred says he still remembers those verses. And Miss Emma didn't explain what the verses meant. She just sowed those seeds of Scripture into their hearts. Now, I don't know if you know the name Pablo Casals. He was a world-famous cellist, and he was a conductor. And uh, this is what he said, and I'm going to read it right from him. He says, what do we teach our children? We teach them that two and two make four and that the Paris is the capital of France. He says, when will we teach them what they are? We should say to each one of them, do you know what you are? You are a marvel. You are unique. There's never been another child like you. Your legs, your arms, your clever fingers, the way you move. You can become a Shakespeare, a Michelangelo, a Beethoven. You have a capacity for anything you are a marvel. You got to plant the seeds. Now, the second thing is that we need to be faithful in our planting. As a parenting instructor, I, I have this discussion with usually single moms all the time. They say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Well, you see, you can't try it and then let it go. Parenting has to be consistent over time. Uh, one day, all three of my children were misbehaving. I don't remember what they're doing. I was unhappy with all of them, and in our living room was a blue chair. It was a living room chair. It was a blue chair, you know. The big ones, like at your grandmom's house, you could fit a, a grandpa and two kids in the chair. Big fluffy arms was the blue chair. And we didn't really go in the living room. It was for company and for guests, unless you were in trouble. And Dad would say in a clear, loud voice, 
blue chair, and off they would go, and they had a timeout. So one day, they are all misbehaving. Happy Father's Day. And Dad raised his voice, and you've heard Dad sing. Dad can raise his voice. It's not a shout, but it can be heard. And he said, everybody, in the blue chair. The house got very quiet. I turned around. Benjamin was in the blue chair. Jonathan was in the blue chair. Diana was in the blue chair. And Sandy, the dog, was in the blue chair. The entire family had jumped in the blue chair. Now, why? Because you have to be consistent. Parenting has to be consistent. You can't love on them one day and whack on them the next, or love them one day and ignore them the next. Our God wants us to be faithful in planting, and he returns our faithfulness through our offspring. Now, I don't have an Emma Sloan in my life, but I have a Mrs. Doran, and uh, she's in her 80s now. My mom had lunch with her this week, because mom taught the little babies, and Mrs. Doran, just like Emma Sloan, wound up having this precocious child and a whole bunch of them all the way through almost to high school. What a ministry that lady had. In our Sunday school, just between 1970 and 1982, we produced a missionary, four pastors, two music ministers, and countless Sunday school teachers and youth leaders. And Emmanuel Methodist was not a huge church, maybe 100 on a Sunday morning. I think at the best there were 12 or 15 in, in our class, in our, in our class in Sunday school. But what a ministry she had. Can you say that you grew four pastors, one missionary, and two music ministers? We have to be faithful in planting seeds, and then God will bless that. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is a family that I know. I know them personally. I've taught all of their children, and that's the longer you stay in a school district, the more that happens, but this was one of the first families, and their oldest son, Mark, was my base one section leader in choir, more because he was an excellent leader than a great singer. And he'll admit that too. He's like, I don't know why you picked me. I said, I picked you for your leadership. And Mark's parents encouraged him to find his talent and his love. And he was a professional basketball player. Now Mark has a brother named Bobby. Uh, Glenny knows Bobby. And you would think, well, if we have one successful basketball player, we might as well produce another. We've seen those families that produce many of the same things. Bobby was like a world-class gymnast. He'd say, Doc, I won't be in choir for the next two weeks. What, why not? I'm going to Las Vegas for this meet, or I'm going to Hawaii for this meet. And Bobby now runs his own gymnastics gym in Florida. Okay, so this is an athletic family, you say. I understand that. Along comes Danny. I love Danny. Danny's voice did not change until he was in high school. He had that clear Boy soprano voice. Oh, what a gift. Except he didn't want to sing. Danny wanted to dance. And he went to GCIT, and he was an amazing dancer. And then when he got to college, he decided to be a sound engineer. And he's in great demand to mix um, bands and orchestras. And 
And you're thinking, well, how did that happen? Because each parent, each child was encouraged to grow in the way that God called them to, like the mustard seed. You plant the little seed and God grows it into whatever. Well, they have a daughter. I did not have her in choir. I had her in AP psychology. Because remember, I taught that, I teach that first period. And her name is Gina. She's not a basketball player. She's not a gymnast. She's not a sound engineer or dancer. Gina got a full ride to college to play soccer. Each child was grown in their own unique way. I want you to hear that. When we're growing spiritual children, they're not all going to grow up to be leaders in the church. They're not all going to grow up to be pastors or missionaries or music directors. But they're going to grow up to be what God designed them to be. But we have to faithfully plant. Now, we've made it all the way (laughs) to the storm. Now, we we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that storms happen in life. In fact, I've had this conversation several times in the last couple weeks with friends and with patients. They're like, okay, I'm getting better. My stress is coming down. My anxiety and depression is coming down. When does the stress stop? When does it go away? When you're dead. (laughs) Thank you, Rita. Well, actually, Rita's right because it never goes away. It's how you handle the stress and the anxiety that, that makes us healthier human beings. It never goes away. Now, I want you to hear this. This is a caveat, a warning. You are planting seeds all the time. People are watching you. Children are watching you. They watch the good and they learn. And they watch the bad and they learn. So our final point here is this. It's okay to fail if you learn from it. Story, uh, fascinating. This story is told in a legend in uh, Chinese and Irish and Russian and Hispanic cultures. The story is similar in all four. And this is how it goes. A man and a wife have a, a young son and... Her father becomes old and unable to care for himself, and he moves in with the family. But he's old, and he's feeble, and and he shakes a lot, and he spills food all over the table when they eat. And the mom gets very upset that she's always having to clean up after her, her father. So they decide that he needs to eat in a corner by himself. And then the mess is contained. Well, the older he gets, the more he gets the shakes and the wobbles, and he begins to drop dishes and glasses, and they break. And the mom decides that the safest thing to do is to to give him a wooden bowl, and he eats all of his meals out of a wooden bowl in the corner. And the mess isn't too bad, and the dishes aren't broken anymore. And one day, the dad goes out, and the little boy's collecting sticks in the backyard got a little pile of sticks and he's building something and the dad says son what are you doing he says oh I'm making you a wooden bowl for when you get old we are planting seeds all the time it's okay to fail in fact 
Failure is a part of life. I wish we taught that to our kids. We want to make sure that nobody fails. Nobody gets their feelings hurt. I don't know about you, but in life, failure happens. Now, it's funny. (laughs) In life, not everybody gets a trophy. In heaven, everybody gets a trophy. There's a crown with your name on it. We're promised in Revelation that there's a crown and a mansion made just for you. But we have to learn by our failures here to be prepared for heaven when we get there. You may remember Thomas Edison tried 10,000 different filaments in the light bulb. And somebody said, how did it feel to fail 10,000 times? He looked him right in the eye without missing a beat. He said, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I found 10,000 ways it didn't work. Here's an interesting observation. I want you to hear this. Jesus is, beyond a shadow of a doubt, our sacrificial Lord and Savior. That's why we're here. That's what we talk about. He was also a good teacher. Now, some people get those things reversed. And they go, well, he was a good teacher. I want us to be clear. Sacrificial Lord and Savior first. But let's not forget that he was a good teacher. And a teacher knows that you can learn more from failing sometimes than you can from succeeding. Uh, My voice teacher would let me try something on my own. She'd throw a new piece of music at me, and I would try it on my own. And sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. And when it didn't, she would smile over her grand piano, and she'd say, Doc, do you want to try it my way? (laughs) I learned to sing higher. I learned to sing faster. I learned to sing louder. I learned to sing prettier. Why? Because I was willing to fail and then learn to do it her way. Now, the story of the storm in the boat is not an isolated story. I want you to hear this. These people had seen Jesus heal the blind, the lame, the leper. He had had healed and they had seen Now, not only had they healed and seen him heal, they'd been sent out in twos. You remember the story? And what had they done? They had healed, they had preached the good news, and they had cast out demons. These people were not unfamiliar with faith. They'd seen what I like to call the miracle of multiplication or the big picnic. A few loaves, a few fish, dinner for 5,000 with leftovers. They'd seen his first miracle when mom said, do whatever he says, and he had turned the water into wine. They'd even seen people raised from the dead. That's why Jesus is frustrated and annoyed. They had seen him do it. They had done it themselves. And yet, when the crisis came, when the storm came, when the water was washing into the boat, they're like, help, help, we don't know what to do. And I don't know if they had this back then, but he, uh, SMH, he smacked his head and he went, didn't you figure this out yet? You have the power, you have the ability, calm the storm yourself. So what did he do? He talked them. He stood up. Now, Danny read it very politely when he read the scripture. He went, peace, be still. I, I, I agree. Now. I don't know if you ever had to listen to the Donut Man when your kids were little. The Donut Man is a Christian uh, singer for children. 
And his big song is, life without Jesus is like a donut, like a donut, like a donut. Life without Jesus is like a donut. There's a hole in the middle of your heart. Life without Jesus is like soda without the bubbles. And he goes on and on and on. So he does this great song about the waves. And I was at the creation festival. So there's like 20, 25,000 people singing with the donut man. He's got this cute little kid standing there. And when it comes time to say, peace be still, this little kid shouted with authority and joy. And he went, so all the adults are making sea noises and singing this song. And the kid goes, peace. (laughs) And 20,000 people just stopped. That's what I want you to get. We can learn more from our failures than from our successes. So then I, I guess it's my responsibility today to plant some seeds. And I want you to answer these questions rhetorically. Just think about the answers. We're not going to answer them out loud. But here's some seed planting. Do you believe in an afterlife? Most of us do. 80% of people, they say, believe that there is a heaven. And it's funny, that same 80% believe that they're going to get there. Well, how are you going to get there? They say, well, I live a good life. I'm a good person. I, I am going to go to heaven. Well, we looked at the Ten Commandments a few weeks ago, and I'd like you to do a self-assessment. We're not answering out loud. I want to be very clear. Now, if you're listening on Spotify and you're in your car, feel free to answer out loud. But have you ever lied? Little ones, big ones, have you lied? In the course of your life, how many times have you lied? Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands? According to the Bible, that would make you a liar. Have you ever taken anything that wasn't yours? By accident or on purpose? Even an idea? You can steal an idea? According to the Ten Commandments, that would make some of us a thief. Now, Jesus said that if we even looked at another person with lust in our heart, it would be the same as committing adultery. And some people today are are addicted to pornography. Or even the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. I can't talk. Jesus said, if you are looking at them with lust in your heart, then you're an adulterer. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Now, it's funny. I was reading the author and he said, you know, we take the Lord's name in vain, but none of us would ever take our mother's name in vain. Like nobody hits their thumb with a nail and goes, Janet Madison. (laughs) It doesn't happen. Why? And he said, well, we love our mom, but we don't always think about that same relationship with God. Now, if you're being honest with yourself, you've picked up a couple of these monikers along the way. We who do not know Jesus, or even we that do, are liars and thieves and blasphemers and adulterers. And some of us have even dishonored our parents. So what happens? That 80% who think they're going to heaven is probably a lot lower now. Because the Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, 
There's a penalty that you get from being a sinner is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. I want you to think of it this way. Every one of your sins is a speeding ticket. Everyone. And you're in front of the judge and there are just piles and piles of speeding tickets. And the judge looks at you and he says, uh, you're in big trouble. This is a penalty that has to be paid. And then he says, somebody else has already paid it for you. You're free to go. It's legal. It's taken care of. The penalty is paid and you are free to go. Who paid the penalty, you say? Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. The wages of sin is death. Somebody had to die, and Jesus died for us. And he paid the penalty for you. Now, I did that so that you would have an idea of what it might look like to plant seeds. It's that easy. There was no finger wagging. There was no yelling. I didn't stuff a track in somebody's hand or hit them on the head with my Thompson chain reference Bible. Just a nice, quiet dialogue. Do you think you're going to have an afterlife? And then, my friend, that's the seed planting. God does the rest. The best I think you can do to wrap up this would be to say, can I pray for you? And sometimes the person will say yes, and sometimes they'll say no. But you know and I know that when they're gone, we're still going to pray for them. They just don't need to know it. Why? Because we have to be faithful. Let's go back to our first three points, and then we're done for the day. You can't harvest if you don't plant. And you have to plant faithfully. And the third one might be the most important. We can learn as much from failure as we can from success. We get to have multiple chances to plant seeds throughout the course of our life. Now, if you've never made a decision for Christ or you've never looked at this idea of him paying the penalty for you, our first pew is always left open during the last hymn. Come forward and our pastors and our our deacons would love to pray with you. If there's another issue for healing or for a crisis or a challenge in life, again, during our last hymn, the first pew is open, and we would love to pray with you. Amen.